Welcome to Business Resilience Decoded, from Disaster Recovery Journal and its Fallus Business Resilience. Now, here's your host, Vanessa Vaughn. Welcome to Business Resilience Decoded. I am your host, Vanessa Vaughn, the founder and resilience officer of Asphalus. We have a great guest lined up for you today, speaking on the topic, racing with blind spots. Let's jump right in and meet our guest, Mike Mooney, the principal of Mooney Consulting Group. Mike, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me, Vanessa. It's great to be on with you. Mike, can you tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself? Sure, I'd be happy to. You know, I've had the uh, fortunate opportunity to work in the field of motorsports uh, the last 25 years, from NASCAR to IndyCar, Formula One, drag racing. So I guess in some cases you could say that my career has really been going in circles, but, uh, you know, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, Along the way, the focus has been working uh, with agencies. I've worked on the corporate brand side. I've also worked on the sports property side. And all throughout the journey, it's been about how do we bring new brands into a new market and a new arena and finding ways for them to connect with the target audience in a, in a relevant, incredible way that would help their, their business objectives. Beyond that, though, and it's really about how to then we protect those brands once they're in this arena, as they have drivers or properties representing their brands, all of a sudden now it's sort of outside of their normal corporate branding. You have people that are representing your brand. It's been about brand protection and the management. So I've had the opportunity to do that for brands like Walmart. Walmart, Tylenol, Mercedes-Benz, Fifth Third Bank, to name a few. It's been a it's been a great little run. Wow! So you definitely have a very diversified background, not only from the work that you've done, but also the brands that you've been able to help support. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting because people will sometimes say, "Oh, you're a motorsports guy." It's like, well, you know, motorsports, and pun intended, is a vehicle, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, just like any other vehicle to connect with audiences. But I've been able to work uh, with brands in the financial sector, the you know, nutritional sector, health and wellness, as well as consumer packaged goods, retail. So it, that's been the fun part, actually taking brands that wouldn't be able to come to life or speak in a way that they could in the major mainstream market. They can do it a little bit different. Through motorsports, Mike, how did you get into this space? Gosh, <laughs> you know, I, I wish I could look back and say, Vanessa, I had this phenomenal blueprint of, of a career path. But you know, it, it, most people will look back and say, you know, it started with one opportunity, and then another door opens, and. You know, for me, I've always been a fan of sports, and I happened to get an opportunity with a motorsports public relations agency years ago that had an opening for someone to stuff media kits and, you know, manage their their press clipping reporting, change air filters, and and I said, (laughs) I'll take it. I'll take it. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I mean, it's had a gentleman tell me years ago, he said, it's not where you start, it's where you end up. But if you work with excellence in each step along the way, where you go becomes accelerated. You know, and and that's just something that um, again, you look back twenty five years and and you realize it's uh, it's you know I've been very fortunate. So you you mentioned that one of your goals as you've supported your customers was to help to protect their brands. With that, what are the two ways to manage crises from your perspective? Yeah, that, that's a great question. I've always looked at crisis from really two stances. One is proactive and one is reactive. The challenge is that most often we end up in this field, as I know you are very aware of and, and have worked on, we usually come in to clean the mess up. 
mm-hmm. because it, people just didn't think far enough down the, down the line to see where the areas of risk might be. I always believe that there is a fundamental and empowered difference in asking the question, what if, which is proactive versus what now? <laughs> you know, what do we do now? And that, you know, to me, as it relates to, to reputations, I, I don't believe that people fully recognize the value of their reputation until they've paid a price. Yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. When I think about the title of our topic today, Racing with Blind Spots, how do you identify risks before they happen? You know, no no crystal ball in this. It's really just sitting down. And in my experience, it's been looking in two different buckets. There's the internal, right? So when you think about that internally within your organization, that generally will center on people, process, product, you know, things along those lines, your, your, your business lines. Those are areas that are somewhat in your control where you can then identify, hey, you know, where are those risk points? Is it in a particular transition between one department to another? Uh, does it happen to be in, in the way that our, our product is made? Is there something in that process that we have to really look at and, and think through and, and be honest with ourselves? Right. That's the key thing. Be honest and think about what could happen internally that we should be thinking about. You know, I'm a big believer that when you have a plan, you often don't need to use it. It's when you don't have one that usually things come up. Right. Mm-hmm. So that so that that's one area internally. And then the other area that I, I really encourage uh, my clients as well as the, the brands and partners that I've worked with is external. Right. There are external areas of risk. And, and that happens to be in you know, your industry, what's happening in your industry or your business sector. Perhaps there are government policies that are coming down the line. You know, those are areas that you don't have much control over. So what do you do there? Uh, I've used the example before because there's this halo right within industries of, of, of companies you, in 2007, eight, nine. You didn't have to work for Countrywide Mortgage for someone to ask you, hey, what do you do? And if you said, I work in the home mortgage industry, that they'd look at you with a bit of a side eye. Like, oh, Mm. you work in that? Right? Mm. Your company may have had nothing to do with it, but there's that halo of association. So that's where I believe companies really need to focus on what's happening outside of our, our walls, our doors that we need to be mindful of. And quite honestly, how do we look at what's happening and actually proactively build points of distinction to combat that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically if we're not looking, then that's a blind spot. Without a doubt. Without yeah. a doubt. So one of the things that's so unique about you is your background in motorsports. <laughs> um, what has been your most memorable experience in crisis and reputation management from that perspective? Yeah, Vanessa, I'm, I'm going to tell you a story uh, that happened back in September of 99. And, and it's not not a great story. I mean, it, it, it's a very uh, it's a serious one. It had to, had to do with a driver death. At the time, uh, I was representing, we're doing the public relations for Mercedes-Benz. And Mercedes provided the engines for several teams in the IndyCar series. At the racetrack in Laguna Seca in California, there was a young driver named Gonzalo Rodriguez, who was a rookie in that series, and unfortunately missed a turn, uh, went off the track, and lost his life. Now, that alone is tragic and would call in a crisis management plan of what to do for a driver death in that situation. What compounded the issue, Vanessa, is that one of the track public address announcers announced over the PA system that he thought 
it sounded like a stuck throttle, which means that the driver's foot was not on the accelerator, but it was stuck, keeping him going as fast down the track, which then becomes an engine issue. That wouldn't have been too bad because because it was contained. The problem was that PA was piped into the media center. So within about 25 to 30 minutes of this accident happening, of this, this unfortunate incident where a young man lost his life, we had the Associated Press, USA Today, the wire services, announcing that there was a driver death, and they believed it was due to a stuck throttle, which points back to Mercedes-Benz. So now we're dealing with a crisis of not only the driver, but now it becomes a brand issue. In IndyCar, we're fortunate that we have a lot of technology around the engines. We have engineers that are monitoring hundreds and hundreds of of components on those cars. We went straight to our engineers at the track and asked them to bring up the engine control and throttle control grids. And it, it proved there on the grids that it was not a stuck throttle. It was actually driver error. But now comes the question, and it was more of almost a moral question of, do you blame a young driver who's lost his life? Do we as a brand step out and say, it wasn't us, it was him, right? Mm -hmm. So it was a really delicate situation where we ended up coming up with the, the, the decision that it wasn't going to be us to tell the media that it was not a stuck throttle. We gathered up our lead media members with the Associated Press and USA Today, you know, the ones that when they write something, everybody else does. Right. We call it the cowbell media. <laughs> we pulled them together, brought them in to our, our tech center and said, we're going to show you what the graphs show us in this area. And we're going to let you make the decision on based on what you see and, and what uh, you have in front of you, how this came about. Sure enough, that's how the story was written, that it unfortunately was not, it was driver error and, and not the issue of, of the engine itself. To me, that was very memorable because it went beyond just the initial uh, impact of, of a loss of life, but then quickly spiraled into the brand being pulled into errant information. And then find, figure out how do you defend yourself and more importantly, position it in a way that doesn't make it look like you're pointing the finger at a, a young man who lost his life. Right. And oftentimes, because we don't think of these things happening to the point that you made earlier, we're having to discuss these conversations with the leadership team in the middle of it. Right. Right. Uh, and, and this was happening. This was all real time. You know, Vanessa, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, as anything, you, when when a crisis hits, the last thing you have is more time. Mm-hmm. And we had a plan around what would happen if a driver were to die at a track. However, we didn't have the plan for what happens if we get pulled into it with poor information. And that was literally, we had to huddle and discuss and, and we had our, our um, brand executives there and discuss it with them and make sure that they were on board with it. You know, we, we felt that it was the right thing to do from a moral standpoint, as well as from a brand management standpoint. And it ended up working out to the point where people in the industry and the media recognized that and, and appreciated the discretion and, and the way that we handled it. Yeah. So when I think about business resilience, right, Mm -hmm. Um, resilience is simply, uh, you know, bouncing back, stretching without breaking. And so that's what I think about business resilience. You know, how can we help our organizations to stretch without breaking, to absorb the impact, whatever that that impact is and bounce back. So with with your NASCAR experience, how do you think it ties into business resilience? (laughs) <laughs> this is a great, it's a, it's a great ask uh, of a question because there are a lot of similarities. That's how I'll look at that. There are a lot of similarities between motorsports and business resilience. I mean, first off, you know, it's about speed. Both the sport and business resilience is about speed. 
right? Of, of how quickly you can, like you said, bounce back. How quickly can you put your plan into action? The other key part is you need a team. It's a team sport. Mm-hmm. Racing is a team sport. You need a, you need a strong team who know their role and are committed to each other and to getting the job done. I'd say the other part of it too is being resourceful and being able to pivot on the fly. You know, the plans that we have don't always play out like I had mentioned before in that Mercedes example, but you have to be resourceful and be comfortable changing on the fly, but still staying focused on your message and and what your plan is. And I'd say the last part that comes to my mind, and this is something that I, I speak to many corporations about is the importance of having a spotter. Now in, in racing a spotter, is the person who is high above the racetrack, who has a full field of view of everything that's happening around that driver. Because the driver has a very limited view down the racetrack and has many blind spots. And it's that spotter that's calling out the blind spots to that driver to help them navigate themselves through the race, steer clear of wrecks, right? All of those those areas that businesses can relate to. So see that the work I've done in this sport has really been as a spotter to help companies identify areas of risk, guide leaders through those areas to make sure their brands are are being strengthened through this investment, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that we are we're being good stewards of their brand as well. Mike, I love those examples. <laughs> um, <laughs> partly because a lot of the listeners for this podcast are industry professionals. And so we are oftentimes trying to advocate and to work with different leaders across the organization to maintain relevance, but also for them to understand the value. And so for me, what you just shared, you know, if there's a business leader that is really involved in motorsports and that's what their sport is, that's an easy way for them to understand and see what we do in the world of resilience, but also how it ties into sports. Yeah. So I love it. Yeah. So, um, so again, you've, you've had the opportunity to work in the sports world as well as the business world. And so what do athletes and business leaders have in common, and especially with your interactions, as it relates to crisis and reputation management? Yeah, you know, they, they are very similar. Uh, I, I'd, I'd even offer the analogy that, that both race at very high speeds. Right. One just happens to sit behind the wheel of a car. The other happens to perhaps sit behind a desk and or on a plane or, you know, or traveling. I mean, we're all in this race to succeed. Right. Reach our business objectives. But as drivers, the interesting thing with them is that their sole role is not just to get that car around the track to get to victory lane. They also recognize that they represent other people. They, they, they represent their actions, their behavior represents their team. It represents their sponsors, more importantly. And in motorsports, 90 plus percent of that funding for teams comes out of sponsorship. If they don't have a sponsor, they can't race. Being a good representative of your sponsor will help a team continue to compete, a driver to continue to drive. So, you know, there's that that understanding that represents others. For business leaders, it's very similar, right? They represent people in their organization. They represent the brand. They represent their stakeholders. Yeah, it makes me think back, you know, Weber Shanwick did a study several years back that said that 50% of a company's value is tied to its CEO's reputation. And you can see that too, when you have a change at that C-level in a publicly traded company, look at their stock the next day, mm-hmm. Right. And that will tell you a lot about the confidence that investors have based on that business leader's reputation to get their job done. Now, conversely, and I think this is a sign of the time as well, I saw another study uh, recently that uh, said roughly, you know, 35, 36 percent of employees 
uh, believe that their leaders are not acting with integrity and honesty, right? So almost 40% don't believe that their leaders are, are acting in a way that would reflect or build that reputation. So I think that's a message to leaders as well. And we're seeing that today in, in, in the news headlines um, at some very uh, high levels. In today's world, it is so vital that the leaders act in a way that live into the values of the organization, that they understand their their actions, behaviors uh, will put their company at risk. I think Papa John's is a great example recently mm-hmm. uh, of that, right? Yeah. So, okay. so there, there, there's a lot of yeah. I mean, there's a lot of parallel in there. It's when you reach a level of leadership, and I wouldn't say just at, at a leadership level. We all do. We all represent others in whether it's at a, at a front line level in the organization or a very senior level. We mm-hmm. represent others. Yeah. We, have to, we have to recognize that. Yeah. The the one thing that popped into my mind as you were explaining that was the NFL and really what that organization is going through now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Because the players are a brand. Yep. <laughs> the teams are a brand. Yes. And then the people, you know, everybody has a different position or a perspective. Well, they do. And now now what they also have at no other time in history has this been available. So we all have an outlet. We all have a megaphone through our social media channels to speak and let people know what that is. Mm -hmm. Right. Which which is equally scary, which also now is is really, I believe, uh, one of the biggest reasons why this industry that we are in and business resilience and crisis management and reputation management has is more vital than ever because brands are more fragile than ever because of the people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I know you are an author, if I'm not mistaken. I, I am. I am. <laughs> of course you are. Well, I hope you are with all this knowledge. So I wanted to ask you, do you have anything new coming out and uh, where can we find it? I actually, my, my book is, is out now. Uh, it is called Reputation Shift, Five High Performance Truths for Success, Lessons from Pit Road to the Boardroom. And the book is, is was a lot of fun to write because it, it basically comes from my firsthand stories over the last 25 years and you know crazy world of motorsports. But I take five strategies through my stories and put them out there for leaders, entrepreneurs, executives, anyone who's looking to shift their mindset about how they proactively value, manage, and build one of their greatest resources. So that book is out now. You can get it on Amazon. You can um, get it on my website, which is mikemooney.com will be shortly available in Barnes and Nobles. I'm pretty excited about that. Awesome. And I know you gave us your website. Do you have any social media handles where our listeners can find you? Yeah, I do. And it's it's simple. It's just uh, at Mike underscore Mooney. You have been a wealth of knowledge today. <laughs> it's been an awesome experience to be able to talk with you. Um, thank Thanks. you for tuning in to Business Resilience Decoded with the Disaster Recovery Journal and Asphalus. Look out for future episodes. Business Resilience Decoded is produced and edited by John Seals. For more information, visit drj.com slash decoded and asphalusadvisors.com slash decoded. Write to us on Twitter at drdecoded.